You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. It's great to be back with you again here on the most listened to podcast on immigration in the United States, possibly even the world and maybe, David, in the known universe. Well, a little unclear, but... uh, North Korea is going to send up a satellite and check it out. You're going to check it out? Is that what they're going to do? Uh, I'm actually reading a very interesting book right now. You know, I read a lot, David. I read a lot of fiction, and this one is about uh, North Korea's attempt to uh, start World War III. Not not exactly a uh, far-fetched idea, near as I can tell, Uh, but uh, certainly one that's uh, really quite interesting. Um, David, I, as you know, I am a, a big fan of driving, and we have a little problem here in the South right now. Huh. <laughs> There's a, uh, there is a perceived shortage of gasoline. And, David, I, I say perceived because I don't really think it's that big a deal. Uh, but what has done, the, the upside to this perception, is that nobody's driving. So there's no traffic all of a sudden. Have you noticed that? No. Uh, you don't drive during the day as well. You get, yeah. you get here like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. No, David, I... Literally, I had to run last night at 5 o'clock. Over you realize the, how close we are to that line? Oh, no, it's really close to here, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not It's not broken here. It's broken no, Alabama. Yeah. So You know, but my concern, I, my wife and I were talking at breakfast this morning about it um, because I, I went out last night to get her filled For up. those of our listeners who don't know, there is a massive pipeline that runs from Texas all the way through Virginia or someplace like uh, that. On up to uh, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. uh, that pumps gasoline, oil, diesel, basically every petroleum product through the area. And it broke in Alabama. Just outside, of, just across from Georgia. Georgia. They don't know exactly how long it was broken, though. <laughs> uh, well, this is the kicker. I'm, I, I guess I need to check into it because I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that line was built shortly after World War II. Oh, no, I think you're right. I think and, it's about uh, 70 years old. And I think it was an Eisenhower, Truman or Eisenhower thing to protect us from right. being bombed and we right. had to have petroleum. And as I told my wife today, you know, my I've said this for, for a number of years that someday they're going to have a problem with mm-hmm. it. Well, now they're having a problem yeah. with it. But when they pressurize that sucker again, I think they're going to have a problem over there, over here, over the, you know. Well, here, surely, there, surely they yeah. pressurize it and unpressurize it on a regular. But it's privately owned, correct, at this point? Yeah. It's yeah. privately owned. Surely they pressurize and repressurize it at intervals to check the pipe. But that sucker's as old as I am. Yeah, it is. Well, then it could be pretty leaky then. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could be, be pretty, pretty leaky. leaky, yeah. Uh, so. And what they're doing, interestingly, they're actually not repairing the line. They're building another pipeline and attaching it around the break. Well, that probably makes sense. It makes more sense, right? So, uh, but that's what's interesting. They also have not cleaned up the quarter of a million gallons of unclear whether it's oil or gasoline yeah, that spilled. I hadn't heard. I'd heard some numbers, but I hadn't I heard, heard quarter of a million, two hundred fifty thousand gallons, quarter of a million gallons. Yeah. But I don't know whether it's gasoline or or oil. Uh, you got a match. Yeah, well, <laughs> oil won't burn, but though certainly very much, but the uh, the gas will certainly go up, probably dissipated to the fumes because only the fumes burn in gas. The gas itself won't burn. So. They, uh, I, it's very interesting. I had a friend that owned a home in uh, Sandy Springs, and his property is just north of the line. It I runs mean, right through Metro Atlanta. Oh I mean, yeah, so. well, it, it runs right through Sandy Springs, yeah. and then they have a. a 
they have another line and pumping station that goes off to Doraville. To right, where, where, the, where the tanks are, yeah. right. But um, when he bought his house, he bought his house. Right. Okay? When he tried to sell his house, well, you're within X yards of the line, yeah. you know? And uh, uh, he was fortunate he found somebody that didn't care, and he was able to sell his house, but... Um, you got to disclose that kind of stuff these oh, days. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. back you know many many years ago. Yeah, back then it's like. In fact, yeah, I'm not even sure they knew that it was sitting there. You yeah, know? probably did not. But I, I thought that was that was interesting. And but because of that, there was very if you because I had to go to Galleria for my office, which is over here in Sandy Springs last night. You would think at five o'clock, oh that's going to be a nightmare, right? Twenty minutes. Huh. There's nobody on the road. It's uh, so the upside to having uh, no gasoline or the perception of no gasoline. Because on the way home last night, I just stopped at a trace track and got gas. Yeah, I. Uh, and I also make sure my forty-four gallon uh, Ford Excursion is filled up to the top as well. Well, uh, Quick Trip is out. Well, because Quick Trip buys their gas on the spot market. There is no spot market. So any of these independent uh, uh, convenience stores or or Q- or QT. They are dependent on the on 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 the oil coming through, uh, whereas with racetrack they own the oil. I mean, you have know, BP; they should have gas. Excon should have gas. All the all the brand stations should have their gas. But that pipeline is a spot market gasoline. So their QT is now reliant upon trucks coming driving over. All right now, I will tell you the one thing I'm very happy with our governor is he capped the price. He capped the price of unleaded gasoline. Otherwise, that you know, these guys oh, will just they just yeah. throw all kinds of fake prices on there. I mean, it was funny because he capped it, and that moment, like within a minute, gas that was two hundred nine became two thirty nine. It was the same gas in the tank, right? Oh, you know, I mean, well, this is the other thing that I find funny. It's a downside uh, to capitalism, by the way. You know? you, you uh, drive by the the uh, depot in, in Dorable. Mm-hmm. You see everybody, and you know, you know what makes Chevron Tecron different. Oh, just the stuff they put in the gas. They, just they, as they're filling up the tank underground at the station, they dump in a, a quart or something, yeah, right? You know, and say, "Okay, it's all the it's, same gas." Yeah, it's the same. We're all driving on the same gas, but uh, convincing people that oh no, no, I, no, I got to use the Tecron. Oh, no, no, that's just marketing, baby. That's just marketing. Yep. Um, well, David, you may have heard that there was an incident in New York over the weekend in New Jersey. Uh, my son was about two blocks from it. Well, he was in Chelsea. What was your son doing in Chelsea? He was uh, at a local bar watching the Texas A&M oh. game. Well, that's a place to do it at Chelsea. That's for yeah. sure. Great restaurants in Chelsea, by the way. A great part of New York. Um, but this could be the dumbest terrorist <laughs> that we've run across so far. Uh, boom. You know, he... <laughs> the best part is his, his, one of the bombs will go. His fingerprint yeah. is on the bomb. His cell phone has his family's pictures on it. Well, that's used to one of the bombs. See, I, I, I came up yesterday on the on the Dan and Dave show, and, and I want to give the terrorists some help. And <laughs> uh, now that's not sounds funny from a good American like right. I am, but my thing, and particularly with this guy, and, and he proves my point. I think these terrorists should test them out. The bombs before they place them, they should see if they're working. <laughs> well, this guy is probably one of the dumbest people. He might to become, try. He, well, he might try. <laughs> he he could be one of the dumbest people to become a terrorist in quite some time. I don't think he's going to be a rocket scientist to be a terrorist to start with. But this guy's just off the du- you know he's just a dumb dud is what he is. <laughs> um, and he fell asleep apparently in a bar. 
on yeah. the doorstep of a bar, uh, apparently unaware because he'd put his cell phone with the bomb. If he had his cell phone with him, he would have got a text alert that said everybody was looking for him. <laughs> Which is what happened in New York. Uh, brilliant work by the FBI. I mean, think about it. I got to, you know, kudos to law enforcement and to homeless people and to thieves because that's how they caught this guy. So in, uh, in, uh, in New York, I was in New York, New York, New Jersey, where the, where the two homeless guys saw some guy put a, uh, a bag in a dumpster or a garbage can and then he walked away. So they walked over and checked it out. And they said, oh, there's wires. Let's call the cops. The two homeless guys. And there was this great meme because it had the two homeless guys' pictures along with Bernie Sanders' picture. It said, three homeless guys help stop terrorism. <laughs> well, that was great. I haven't seen that. It's funny to laugh about this. Nobody got, nobody got killed. But, uh, and despite what Gary Johnson said, they get hurt. But they're all out of the hospital and they're, they're, they're going to be okay. But <laughs> the bomb in New York City. So the bomb goes off, uh, the pressure cooker bomb, and people get hurt. But apparently he'd left another bomb in a suitcase down the street, a couple blocks away. And he just left a suitcase out there. So a couple, you know, this is New York City. I mean, come on, really. I grew up near New York, and I've been in New York many, many times. I spent a lot of time there with relatives. What do you think's going to happen when you leave a suitcase on a street corner? Now, these guys are smart enough. They want to check the suitcase out first. So they open a suitcase up, and they find what could only be a bomb on the inside, Right. They take it out, leave it on the street corner, and walk away with the suitcase. <laughs> no, I didn't God, know you didn't know that? I've got it. Yeah, I love New Yorkers. <laughs> I just love New Yorkers. Um, uh, it just this is a true story. This is actually true. So they have a video of this happening. Huh. I haven't got the guy yet, but they'll, you know, there's a couple of thieves who took this great, what looked like a brand new suitcase, and then left the the insides, the bomb on on the corner. Uh, and then of course the bomb didn't go off because it was a piece of junk. That's where they found his fingerprint and his cell phone with his family pictures and stuff on it. And um, but they traded them. You know, I mean, the three different cell phones. They all he bought them all at the same place using his own credit card. You know, the I mean, so this guy is he is he is going to end up in supermax. And the reason I bring this up is because Donald Trump is a moron. He went on yesterday, David, at one of his rallies. Said, "You know what they do with this guy." He's getting the best medical treatment in the world. They're, I'm sure they're bringing him room service. And then you know what? He'll get one of the best lawyers, and and uh, then we'll have to give him this due process. And then we'll probably put him on a in a farm somewhere where he can plant potatoes. And so what Donald Trump is saying? Yes, we want to make sure that the Second Amendment is protected, but we don't need the the first, the Fourth, or the Fifth Amendments. We don't need those. It was an attack on people's constitutional rights. And it just goes to show you how dangerous Donald Trump is. He doesn't care about the right to counsel. He doesn't care about the right to remain silent. He doesn't care about due process. You know, the reality is this. Whether you engage in terrorism like this absolute moron, or whether you're just caught committing a regular old crime, the reason that our forefathers put into place a system of due process and right to counsel and right to remain silent was to protect the rest of us, not to protect that person. And that's what Trump doesn't get or he doesn't care about. Because you know what? Those rules have never applied to him. They've never applied to him and they've never applied <coughs> to his family. So he's never had to use them. He's never had to see the the Constitution in action. And as a result, you get statements 
that are cheered by people who don't understand that the Constitution protects all of us because it protects the least of us. It protects the worst of us. And that's why it's such a powerful document. And it's not just the Second Amendment that does that. It's the first. It's the third. It's the fourth. It's the fifth. It's the sixth. They protect all of us because they protect the worst of us and the least of us. And I just got so pissed off watching Donald Trump yesterday say that and think to myself that anybody would vote for this man to be President of the United States, understanding that he has no concept of how the Constitution works. You know what? Mr. Khan was right. I don't think Donald Trump has ever read the Constitution. I don't think he has any freaking idea of what it means. And I think he is incapable of upholding it and doesn't care what it says. And that's what makes him such a dangerous person and why I think he'd be truly the worst president in American history. He'd make Zachary Taylor look like a freaking saint. I don't know how Zachary Taylor was as a president, by the way. He may have been a good president. I don't really know. But Trump would be terrible. So the Trump, the Trumpster also, of course, without any information or knowledge about this, this idiot terrorist, um, who, by the way, you know, the, one of the officers was able was saved by his bulletproof vest. He was, shot, he was shot in the abdomen by the guy who apparently had a gun when they went to arrest him. Because what happened, do you know how he got caught? How it actually happened? It's actually very interesting because he's laying outside a bar. The bartender gets there and he goes to open it up around noon. Sees the guy. The bartender's gotten the text message with the guy's photo. He goes, that's the guy. Calls the cops. Two cops show up. Uh, and uh, they go up to him and say, uh, sir, uh, we'd like to show your hands. He pulls a gun. He shoots the one cop in the stomach. Bulletproof vest. Saves his life. Because, you know, abdomen shot. I mean, that's... Shoots the other officer. I think he grazed his head or something like that. He's still in the hospital. He'll be fine. Um, and... Um, then he runs away. So the officers, they go down because they've both been hit. He runs into a phalanx of officers who just open up on the dude. Uh, he only Apparently they shot a lot of bullets at this guy, but he only got hit twice. So a little target practice might be. But people don't realize, like me, David, how hard it is to hit a moving object when they're coming at you. That's what goes to the credo of that off, that off the officer in Minnesota who killed that, that guy up in Minnesota, who was coming at him three different times. I mean, kudos to that guy. A trained officer took three times to kill that guy. So they got this guy, and uh, are we going to take a break before I get to the punchline, Dave? Okay, we're going to take a break here on America's Web Radio, the immigration. I'll be right back to talk about the idiocy that is Donald Trump. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, 
Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour, uh, the most popular immigration show on America's Web Radio. No doubt about that, right, David? The only. The only. Well, well let, you know, you have to burst, burst my bubble here. Um, and uh, so uh, Donald Trump goes on a rant about this idiot. Now, David, you reminded me that he might not be the stupidest terrorist because we forgot about the shoe bomber and the underwear bomber. Uh, but this guy has got to be in the running, uh, certainly for a Darwin, a potential Darwin Award winner uh, for this year. So Donald came in on Monday and said, this is why, um, this is why this guy that came in, this Ahmad Khan Romani, the terrorist, stupid terrorist, this is why we've got to get extreme vetting on people. What Trump doesn't clearly understand, doesn't understand not clearly, he doesn't understand at all how the U.S. immigration system works. And this guy did not come as a refugee. He came as a seven-year-old child to the United States. So here's the question, David. How do you vet a seven-year-old child? Well, you vet his parents. Parents on the chicken fried chicken place in Elizabeth, New Jersey, by all accounts, well-adjusted good people. This clown uh, apparently became a uh, U.S. citizen sometime around 2011 or so. Um, so he came to the U.S. in 95 as a son of an asylum seeker from Afghanistan. Now think about this. 95 is about what? When did the Afghan Russians get out of Afghanistan? Was it 89? 90 Russians got out of Afghanistan? So he comes, likely fought against the Russians, is, is my guess. Uh, rises the Taliban. So he gets out. Dad gets out, comes to America. And we give him asylum. Give dad asylum, mom asylum, kids asylum. Um, and um, so at a, at a certain point, the kid is 28. So when he comes in 95, uh, so he's 28, which would make him born in... 88, 80, 88, right? Yeah, 88. So he's seven when he comes. He uh, naturalizes uh, when uh, he's around 22, 23, right about the time he naturalized. Uh, 18 is early as you can do it, but he naturalized in 2011. Um, goes through a background check. There was a deep background check in 2011, and there was nothing about this guy that showed that he was in any way a danger to America. So there's no immigration issue here. This is a guy who, after he became a U.S. citizen, decided to get involved. We think. We don't know. Because we don't know what this guy's motives were. What we do know is he traveled to Pakistan and Afghanistan and married over there. And we know that his family is from a part of Afghanistan. um, uh, And he was a part of Pakistan, which is controlled by the Taliban. Uh, So it is quite possible that he was radicalized while he was over there. Or his wife radicalized him. We also know... That his wife, he sent back home a few days ago, sent back to Pakistan a few days ago before he started his rampage. She may or may not know of what's going on here. Uh, but what we do know is that refugees 
had nothing to do with this. Nothing. Nothing at all. But that doesn't stop Donald Trump from using this as a reason why we should, as a country, no longer accept refugees. Period. Uh, And what I really love about Trump is he uses these words, and it's just like the old Princess Bride. I don't think he knows what these words mean. Extreme vetting. Has he ever told you, David, on one of his appearances on America's Web Radio, what the words extreme vetting mean? No. Ever explain what he means at all by extreme vetting? Now, there was a great article that showed up a couple days ago, a really terrific article, about how much can you vet, for example, a Syrian refugee? How much can you vet somebody? Let's take, I mean, the prime example, a Syrian refugee. That's where a lot of refugees are coming from right now. Not the only place, but some. How much can you vet somebody from that country? One, now if you wanted to vet an American, David, you wanted to do a background check on a potential employee, there's a lot of things you could do to vet that person, right? You could get a credit report. It's one way. You could hire a private investigator. You could go to their social media presence. You could Google them. There's a lot of things you can do to take that person out, right? You could talk to their friends. You could talk to their family. If you really want to do a background dive, you could do a lot of work, right? But can you do that for a Syrian refugee? The reality is there's no credit report you're going to run. There's no, these people are outside of their families or outside of the areas where they were. You can't really go to the village and say, hey, village is no longer here. What do you think about this guy? There's just nothing there. This is why it takes two years for somebody to enter the U.S. as a refugee because they go through every possible criminal check, background check, Interpol check, and then they're monitored where they're typically at to see if they exhibit any anti-societal tendencies that would bar them from being a U.S. refugee. And only after they clear every hurdle are they admitted. Now, here's the interesting part, David. Over the last 30 years, um, through every type of administration, we have, we have admitted somewhere between fifty to 75,000 refugees a year for, for a very long time. They're probably a couple million refugees in the U.S. today. How many of them have committed terrorist acts in the United States? None. None. Now, asylum seekers have Asylum seekers are different than refugees. Asylum seekers, like this guy's family, they just come. They show up at a border or they have a visa and they enter the United States and they say, I want asylum. We had actually a whole show on years ago about the differences between refugees and asylum seekers. Refugees are pre-vetted, pre-screened, background checked for compatibility to our society. Asylum seekers can be literally anybody that knocks on the door. We see this with Central Americans right now coming up through the southern border. They're knocking on the door. I want asylum. We have an international treaty obligation to have a hearing for these people. Now, we can deny them, and we deny well over 60% of asylum seekers every year who seek asylum. Heck, in Georgia, it's almost 95% denial rates, and we send them back. (laughs) But we don't get to pick who they are. So we haven't done a background check. So when they apply for asylum here is when a background check occurs. Now, a kid like this, a 7-year-old who apparently, by all accounts, the friends he grew up with was very Americanized, was uh, very you know, attuned to American culture, and then he wanted a wife. 
And apparently there wasn't wives here for him. So then he goes back home, the marriage is arranged, and bam, a different cultural sensitivity takes over. And something snaps in that person. Nothing you can predict 25 years before. So Donald Trump here, again, he doubles down on banning people when that has literally nothing to do. And then he says just crazy-ass stuff. It's going to get worse unless you elect me. It's going to, it's going to be terrible. I'm the only one who can stop this. Wait a second. When did Donald Trump become pa- capable of stopping bad things from happening? Was he able to stop the bankruptcies of his company? Companies? No. Was he able to stop his brother from dying of alcohol poisoning? No. Was he able to cure cancer any time in his life? No. Donald Trump is incapable of stopping terrorism by himself. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the message he sends out to people, that only I can stop this because Obama's a disaster. You know, the reality is that we have – the number of incidents we don't know about – now, David, you probably know about more of this than I do because you actually talked to a lot of these people. We have stopped a lot of terrorist activity in the United States that the American public knows nothing about. Many, many incidents. We know that, okay? Um, because these guys talk about it. They don't tell you how many. They don't tell you, but they – and I think we can all imagine there's a lot that are stopped in their infancy. Um, and yet you look at the ones that have come to fruition. Fort Hood, radicalized guy. California, San Bernardino, Minneapolis, New York. Uh, and you think about the sheer number of them, they're really not that many. They're actually very few. Uh, and yeah, they had an impact, but not, not a massive impact that tends to change America in any way. Uh, I think our law enforcement and our intelligence services have done a much better job. Are they perfect? No, of course not. Will you ever stop terrorism by shutting America down? No. I think. I mean, any rational person would say no. You only stop terrorism by fighting the ideology that creates terrorism. And of course, if you say the magic words radical Islamic terrorism enough, that will stop it because those are magic words. And that will stop it from happening. When in reality, what we do know is that actually creates more terrorists and more terrorism. Uh, you know, I, I went on. A tr- I've been on a Trump rant, David, for months at this point. Um, and I, he he just goes off script again. He's off. Well, actually, this wasn't off script with this, but it's just it's just crazy. But this here's what Trump has said. Trump has since shifted to a ban on peoples from countries compromised by terrorism, which would be everybody in Europe rather than a ban on Muslims. But his policies clearly target the faith in Muslim-majority countries. He said in July, quote, you could say it's an expansion of his initial Muslim ban. Trump said in August that there should be, quote, extreme, extreme vetting. Because, David, if you put enough adjectives before a verb or adverbs for a verb, it becomes a more important verb. That's how it works. So extreme, extreme vetting. What that shows you, this man has a very tiny vocabulary which matches his hands, apparently. Uh, and he wants to use an ideological test that would include questions about Sharia law. On Monday, here's what he said. The U.S. should temporarily suspend immigration entirely from regions where safe and adequate screening cannot occur. Now, here's what's great. Trump also accused Clinton of having, quote, the most open borders policy of anyone ever to seek the presidency, close quote. That's, of course, a lie, but tr- Trump's, 
He never gets called on his lies. Although this weekend, I was finally happy to see the news report is finally going after his spokespeople saying, that's just not true. Let's, let's answer the question. No, Hillary's bad. No, no. Answer the question about Trump. Hillary's bad. No, answer the question about Trump. Hillary's bad. Okay. You don't want to talk about your guy? Then the interview's over. Have a nice day. You go somewhere else and talk about, go talk about Hillary. Um, it's just getting old. So here's what here's happened. On Monday, um, Trump accused Clinton of this. And, but here's the thing. Clinton doesn't have an open borders policy, nor does Obama. Even though she does not share Trump's call for a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, she called on Monday for tough vetting although she has not reserved her position on admitting more refugees. I am absolutely in favor of and long been advocate for tough vetting. She added that she wants a better visa system. But here's the thing. None of this rhetoric solves our problem. None of our rhetoric, none of this rhetoric solves our problem. What it does do is it gets people angrier to get them to support one candidate or the other. But we do know that one candidate is far more dangerous than the other. And we know his name is Donald. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámalos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. Uh, David, uh, immigration uh, continues to be a, uh, a, a hot-button issue. Uh, there was an interesting article yesterday, David, about... Um, uh, immigration and uh, about uh, a little problem our friends at the uh, immigration service had uh, as it relates to uh, naturalized people. I don't know if you were able to take a look at this article or not, David, but it's um, it's um, a little troublesome. But for those of us who are immigration lawyers, uh, it's not surprising, which is sad. I mean, it's sad that it's not surprising. Uh, our friends at the Immigration Service apparently naturalized a whole group of people um, that uh, apparently were ineligible for naturalization. It's um, it's interesting because I have clients that are waiting for years to be naturalized, and 
then apparently they mistakenly do this. This is it's 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 really weird. Um, let me look. There's a story. It was broken, I think, by ABC. Here's her story. The U.S. government mistakenly granted citizenship to at least 858 immigrants from countries of concern to national security or with high rates of immigration fraud who had pending deportation orders. Now, here's, what's, here's my problem with that. First of all, that sentence is either missing a comma or there's a misplaced modifier because I don't know from this whether the 858 immigrants from countries of concern to national security also had who had deportation orders or people who had high immigration for with deportation orders were naturalized. That's that's what I don't get. I don't know what it actually means. Um, poor writing. So the Homeland Security's Inspector General found that the immigrants used different names or birth dates to apply for citizenship with the USAS and such discrepancies weren't caught because their fingerprints were missing from government databases. Hmm. DHS said that in an emailed statement that an initial review of these cases suggests that some of the individuals may have ultimately qualified for citizenship and that the lack of digital fingerprint records did not necessarily mean they committed fraud. Now, here's part of the problem. You have the Inspector General, who does not understand immigration law, and then you've got USCIS, who doesn't really understand immigration law at times as well, but are better at it than the Inspector General. So, a little unclear. So The report does not identify immigrants by name, but said the auditor said they were from special interest countries, those that present a national security concern for the U.S. or neighboring countries with high rates of immigration fraud. But they did not identify those countries. I would think Nigeria right away, but I don't know what countries they're really talking about. Um, but here's what's interesting. Roth's report said that fingerprints are missing from the federal databases for as many as 315,000 immigrants with final orders or who are fugitive criminals. Okay. So that's a statement. How is that possible? How is it that there are no fingerprints for people with deportation orders? Now, here's why you have to understand how immigration is different from criminal cases. Just because you are put into deportation proceedings and are given a document to show up in court doesn't mean that you are fingerprinted. But, but generally speaking, David, when you are somehow caught up into the immigration system, you get there by generally one of two ways. You are either picked up because of an immigration violation by ICE, or you have applied for some benefit from the immigration service. Now, most benefits today require you to be fingerprinted. And that's, David, that's been the case for a long time. I mean, I have to go back to really the 90s before fingerprints weren't required on on uh, uh, employment cards, your green card application, naturalization documents, uh, travel documents. It all required fingerprints at some point. Uh, so it's a little unclear how old, and again, this is, David, this is really, it's context, right? You don't know the context of what they're talking about. And you look at 858, oh my God, it's just terrible. We have 800,000 terrorists that are now Swiss citizens. That's the that's the fear that's thrown out there, right? But when you look at the actual numbers, you go, well, that's not really the case. It's just, how does that even make sense? So there are 315,000 immigrants with final orders or who are fugitive criminals. Okay. 
Now, how do criminals, David, not have fingerprints? I, I doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. They don't explain that. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, has not reviewed about 148,000 of those immigrant files to add fingerprints to the digital record. Ah, so what they're saying here is there's an actual fingerprint card, but it hasn't been put into the record. It's, again, so here they go. The gap was created because older paper records were never added to fingerprint databases created by both the now defunct INS and the FBI in the 1990s. ICE, the DHS agents responsible for finding and deporting immigrants illegally, didn't consistently add digital fingerprints of immigrants whom agents encountered until 2010. But here's what's weird, David. Immigration for at least, at least during the Obama administration has not naturalized somebody if they didn't have every piece of paper in front of them. So if there was another file somewhere in the database, they wouldn't have brought it in. So now they also use what's called, David, a sound deck system. Do you know what a sound deck system is? So if I type my name in as Charles Cook, K-U-C-K, it will pull up Charles Cook, my name, plus C-O-O-K, C-O-O-K-E, K-U-K, whatever sounds like my name, it will pull up. And then the office is required to go through and look at birth dates, look at pictures to make sure it's not the same person. It's a Soundex database. So, again, it's unclear to me how this happened. The government, as this article goes on to say, the government has known about the information gap and its impact on naturalist decisions since at least 08 when a CBP official identified 206 immigrants who use a different name or other biological information to gain citizenship or immigration benefits, though few cases have been investigated. Roth's report said federal prosecutors have accepted two criminal cases that led to immigrants being subject to citizenship, but prosecutors declined another 26 cases. ICE is investigating 32 other cases after closing 90 investigations. Here's what's interesting. If you're ICE, what are you going to do? Are you going to accept responsibility or are you going to blame somebody else? David, what's your natural reaction would be to... Blame somebody else. Point the finger. ICE officials told auditors that the agency had not pursued many of these cases in the past because federal prosecutors generally do not accept immigration benefits fraud cases. Quote, unquote, quote. ICE said the Justice Department has now agreed to focus on cases involving people who have acquired security clearances, jobs of public trust, or other security credentials, which can't really be that many. Well, that is... I mean, but here's the thing. At least three of the immigrants turned citizens were able to acquire aviation or transportation worker credentials, granting them access to secure areas and airports or maritime facilities and vessels. Their credentials were revoked after they were identified as being granted citizenship improperly. A fourth person is now a law enforcement officer. Hmm. Now, this article starts out, 858 immigrants... But the math doesn't add up, David. And they throw numbers around like 315,000, 148,000, but really it's 858. But even that math doesn't add up. It makes no no sense um, about about this. It doesn't add up. Um, now, I know I'm probably, I should be shocked, right, that a government a news report doesn't add up, but here's, here's the reality. It doesn't add up because, and it doesn't make sense because likely it's not true. Are there people that can fool the system, David? Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
Um, is it that many? Hmm. Considering they've naturalized really over the last 20 years, when this must be talking about going back to the 90s, they probably naturalized over the last 20 years 25 million people, 20 million people. And 858 they screwed up on? You know, the, I know people will say, well, you can't live with any error. Well, no system is no system is error free. No system is ever going to put you in a situation where um, you are perfect. It's just not going to work. Uh, people hold themselves or hold people hold others to a standard of perfection that they do not hold themselves to. Do you ever really do you ever find yeah, that's true? Isn't it, David? They hold others to a perfection standard they don't hold themselves to. They allot for themselves the ability to make mistakes, but not other people. I see this all the time in my practice. And people say, "Well, you there was an error on this form." Well, is a typo of your name of your of your middle name that actually you typed into our database online? Oh, see. You, and people always say it's your error because it's easier to cast blame. And Trump is a master at this. He has never been at fault for anything in his whole life. And thank God for Donald Trump because without Donald Trump, we would not know that Obama was born in the United States of America because it was Donald Trump that made that happen. And we know that Hillary started that. Hillary actually in a back room, in a cellar of a back room, in the dark with the cabal of communist agents uh, working together with the Bilderberg Group and the Trilateral Commission concocted the theory that Obama was not born in the United States. And then they were able, but they were foiled. They were foiled in their effort to stop this by Donald Trump, who saved America yet again. David, can you cue the all-American music at that point? Um, put that on. Bah, 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 bah. Um, wow, David, I'm just just flabbergasted. Just flabbergasted. Uh, now, in other good news on immigration, uh, David, uh, the green card lottery is starting in October. October 4th will be the first day, with my birthday, by the way. They'll be accepting green card lottery. Now, David, do you remember when we, we ever, I was talking about the green card lottery? You probably don't remember that, do you? Uh, and you're probably thinking... There's a green card lottery. This, for me, and I know people will, will are opposed to what I believe on this, but I think this is the stupidest program in our immigration system. Why should we allow immigration based upon luck? Really, it's a lottery. It's completely random. And we only let people from certain countries participate. Now, I know on the flip side that it has been a major source of African immigration to the United States. Uh, because and, and because they've been almost impossible for many Africans to immigrate legally to the U.S. prior to that. Uh, but at the same time, we could actually be using those visas to bring in people that will actually help the U.S. economy in ways that are targeted and specific. If we've got uh, Indians waiting in a 50-year-old long line to get a green card, whose jobs have already been confirmed not to have been not to be fillable by American citizens. Why are we making them wait in a 50-year-long line, but literally giving out green cards randomly to a guy who just barely completed high school uh, in some village in Bosnia? I mean, the reality is that the green card lottery system is antiquated. It should be done away with. We no longer need it. And at the end of the day, it is not helping us in our immigration system and in our fight 
to ensure that uh, the American immigration system benefits the American economy and benefits America long term. Now, that's something I would love to see Donald Trump talk about, but which he won't because he does not understand the American immigration system other than getting visas for models. Let's come back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the final segment of today's episode of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, all of my kids are voting for Gary Johnson. What do you think about that? He needs to, uh, he needs a little, little, uh, class and, uh, where things are in Syria, and do you think uh, he should be given security briefings? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I think he should. I think he should be given. Security. I mean, he's polling at ten percent. I mean, he's not going to win the election, but he's polling at ten percent. Uh, and if somebody as idiotic as Donald Trump should get a briefings, I think he probably should at this point. Uh, of course, it also helps inform him about what's going on. If you notice that uh, Trump uh, was getting really quite close to Hillary in the polls, would you notice something interesting about that, David? Trump wasn't moving. His percentages were the same. Hillary's had gone down. So they had done a great job of effectively ripping Hillary from her perch, but Trump's numbers didn't move because Trump will never get above 42%, 43 44%. He just won't nationwide. There are states he's going to win, of course, but he's not going to get above that 42 40% nationwide because there aren't that many dumb people in America. They just aren't. Um, I think Gary, but here's what's interesting. If Hillary lost support and she did not lose it to Trump, who did she lose it to? Gary Johnson. There's a great uh, survey out on, uh, I saw this morning, that said among millennials, Hillary had gone from 50 to 33%. Trump had gone from 21 to 19. And all of that difference had gone to Gary Johnson. All that had gone to Gary Johnson among millennials. So it is, uh, and, you, and you know where you're going to see that more than anything else is in Utah. 
you're going to see Trump come in third in Utah. Hillary's going to beat him, and I think Gary Johnson's going to beat him there. I don't think Trump's going to win Utah, uh, which would be a big problem for him if he has any hope of getting to the White House. Um, but this idea of, uh, of uh, immigration becoming an important part of who's ever next administration also goes to the issue of Hillary's problem with Latinos. You would think that Hillary coming out in favor of DAPA and DACA, immigration reform, and these other issues that are at least important to many members of the Latino community, and Trump being completely opposed to everything and wanted to deport everybody to Mexico, that they would be coming out super in favor of, uh, uh, of her. But the thing is, they're not. They're not. Uh, and um, uh, she has to do a major better job of, of, of reaching out to them. And really, the state in which she needs to do that in is, is Florida. Because if Hillary wins Florida, she wins the election. It doesn't matter what else Trump wins. If, if, if Hillary wins Florida, she wins the election. And right now, they're essentially tied. But here's what's interesting. Some of the polls I saw this morning, David, last week all the polls were Trump is, Trump is pulling even, Trump is ahead in some states. And today, all those leads are gone. New polls come out, and he's back behind again. Um, and uh, that was before the terror attacks. And what was interesting is people view Hillary as better on national security than Trump. When's the last time a Democrat was ahead of a Republican on national security in a presidential election year? Can you remember when that happened, David? I can't either. Which goes to show you what a terrible candidate uh, um, Trump is. Now, I want to have a shout-out to my friend John Kasich for basically saying he's not voting for Trump. And then Reince Priebus saying that there will be consequences for those who did not lead up to the pledge. Um, and, uh, and you've got three, at least three candidates that ran for president that are not going to support that pledge, Kasich, Bush, and Cruz. None of those guys are going to support Trump. Now, they, they might go in a ballot box and vote for him, although I don't think Kasich will, and I don't think Bush will. Bush, by the way, very funny at the Emmys, very funny guy. Um, did you see Bush's clip at the Emmys? Oh, you got to Google Jeb Bush in the Emmys and you'll get to see it. Um, and uh, it is scary to me that there isn't stronger support among groups that, that, that Trump will literally try to get rid of and diminish in America and this election. Now we'll see what happens. The election's not over, David. Next, uh, next Tuesday, we'll, it'll be our next show, of course, and it is that night will be the debate. Is that correct? I think next Tuesday night is the debate. Uh, that's presuming Donald Trump shows up, right? I mean, Trump has to show up to that debate. Do you think he's doing any preparation at all? No, I don't. You don't think so? What do you think? I mean, you know, I know you don't know, but what do you think? I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Um, and uh, I um, want to conclude today talking about Trump Jr.'s uh, Skittle comment. Have you heard about the Skittle comment on refugees? This is an image from uh, Donald Trump Jr., who apparently is as stupid as his father uh, on political issues. Uh, he says in his Twitter, this image says it all. Let's end the politically correct agenda that doesn't put America first. Trump 2016. Then there's a meme. If I had a bowl of Skittles 
and I told you that three would kill you, would you take a handful? That's our Syrian refugee problem. That actually is literally a complete lie. It's a complete lie. Um, so social media takes up arms against them. And a friend of mine who's been on this show before, Alex Naraste, actually went online immediately because he shared this yesterday, uh, last night. Alex comes out and says this. Social media immediately took up arms to attack him. I think the Skittles meme is actually a valuable and useful way to understand the foreign-born terrorist threat, but the size of the bowl is way too small. This is the proper Skittles analogy. Imagine a bowl full of 3.25 million Skittles that have been accumulated from 1975 to the end of 2015. We know that 20 of the Skittles in the bowl intended to do harm, but only 3 of those 20 are actually fatal. That means 1 in 1.08 million of them is deadly. It gets better, though. There are over 300 million Americans, and not everyone can get a Skittle. This means the chance of any American actually eating the fatal Skittle and perishing is 1 in 3.65 billion a year during the 41-year time period. Do you eat from the bowl without quaking your boots? I would. Perhaps future Skittles added into the bowl would be deadlier than previous Skittles. But the difference would have, a great, have to be great before the risks become worrisome, as I write here. The Trump Jr. terrorism Skittles meme is useful to understand terrorism risk. It just requires a picture of a bowl large enough to fit 7,200 pounds of Skittles. I love Alex. We had That was a great show we had with him on. We had to invite him and our friends from Cato back on here. Um, and uh, that's, that's our reality. Um, and uh, I think we have a really interesting situation here when you have uh, wannabe politicians who don't understand immigration, who don't they want to vilify people. Now, why would you want to vilify people, David? What is the upside in vilifying the other? What does Trump get out of blaming somebody else for perceived problems? What does he get out of that? That is nativism at its core. Uh, that is a uh, polemic that uh, is been used by demagogues and by fascists uh, for generations, thousands of years, to gin up support for a nationalist agenda that takes us away from being the country our forefathers saw us as being. Our forefathers weren't nationalists. They were freedom lovers. And freedom doesn't rely and lie in nationalism. It doesn't rely in us and nobody else. Freedom relies in saying we have the greatest gift here. And that gift we want everybody to partake in. But they can't partake in that if we don't have a way and a mechanism for allowing immigrants to enjoy of what we enjoy. So, David, as we go forward this week, as we see what other crazy butt stuff comes out of uh, Donald Trump, and uh, we see what happens with the Hillary campaign, once again reiterating, as I have many times in this show, David, that Democrats could screw up a one-person parade, um, and see how we get ready for this next week's debate. Um, and uh, if you've got anything you want to share, we're going to try to get a guest on next week from Cato, if we can, uh, to talk about some of these issues as we get ready for the debate and as we learn how immigration will play a role. This debate on Tuesday, David, if I'm not mistaken, is the national security debate. Uh, Lester Holt will be moderating this. I think Lester Holt's a great choice to moderate this debate. Uh, and what I'm really looking forward to uh, is actual answers from Donald Trump. 
Now, we know that Chris Wallace says that it's not his job to fact-check people in a debate. That's sad that he thinks that. Uh, because somebody besides the co-debater should say, Mr. Trump, you said X. That is literally not true. It is a lie. No, it's a lie. Can you give us another explanation for why you're saying this lie? Can you say why it took you five years? What changed between 2011 and September of 2016 for you now to say that Obama's birth certificate is real? When for the last five years you've tweeted 63 times that it was not real. What changed in the last week? Um, it's very interesting to see, and, and I'm very excited for the debates, David. I think this will break every debate-watching record in American history. It could, it could top the viewership of the final episode of MASH. It, it could do that. Or who shot JR in Dallas? Yeah, those are the two most watched episodes of TV in American history, aren't they? Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But until next week, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at uh, chuck at immigration.net or david at americaswebradio.com uh, or call me at 404-949-8154. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get you on the show if you want to be part of us because we'd love to hear you talk about what your opinions on immigration are. Uh, until next week, this is Charles Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.